The Water Values Podcast, Session 115. Welcome to the Water Values Podcast. This is the podcast dedicated to water utilities, resource, treatment, reuse, and all things water. Now here's your host, Dave McGinnis. Hello and welcome to another session of the Water Values Podcast. As my daughter Sarah said, my name is Dave McGimsey and thanks so much for joining me. We've got a great show for you today. We have Jay Madigan of the uh, Lake Kane Restoration Society and he's going to talk uh, about the good work that that organization has done to restore uh, Lake Kane down in Florida to uh, swimmable quality and how they kind of organize the grassroots effort and kind of the, uh, the, 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 the main driver behind that effort uh, and the, the philanthropist who's kind of really kicked that into high gear. Uh, but uh, before we get too deep into the podcast, I do want to uh, wish everyone a happy holiday. Hope that, that your holiday season is kicked off right and that you uh, are, are going to have a great Christmas, Hanukkah, whatever you're uh, celebrating. So uh, in any event, uh, I, as usually have a little housekeeping at the top of the show. And my first, uh, order of business here is going to be to thank cause waters, uh, for the fantastic rating and review on iTunes. Uh, cause Waters says for people curious about water and water geeks alike, five stars. Uh, I've been enjoying your show very much over the past couple of years, and it has introduced me to different aspects of water that I didn't consider as an operator in the business. Sometimes we only see the local issues and not the larger issues and solutions that are out there. Thank you for all your time and thank you for all your great guests. Uh, well, Coswaters, uh, thank you for the fantastic rating and review. And for everyone else out there, if you haven't rated and reviewed the podcast yet, would really appreciate you hopping onto iTunes, Stitcher, or whatever other podcast directory you're on and uh, giving us a rating. Um, it just helps other people find out about the show. It helps uh, kind of keep the visibility of the podcast going. So, uh, again, greatly appreciate it uh, if you would take a few minutes of your time and uh, – provide a rating and a review that review is key because it that's you know people can see a five-star rating but you know uh, if you tell people why you like the podcast it just gives them an incentive to uh, perhaps uh, download an episode and, and take a listen so uh, as i indicated we have a great show for you we have jay madigan so with that said open the valves fasten your seatbelts, and here we go well jay Thanks for coming on to the Water Values Podcast. Really appreciate you taking a little bit of your time to uh, speak with us today. Uh, to start off, Jake, could you tell us a little about yourself and how you got interested in water? Thanks, Dave. It's really great to be here. I've enjoyed your podcast for years. And my uh, water story, uh, I'd say part of it begins uh, when I was a child. I, uh, My parents made sure we were swimmers, and I grew up uh, mainly in Cleveland. And we were uh, right uh, in a community on the shores of uh, Lake Erie. And I swam in Lake Erie as a child. I always enjoyed it, uh, yet uh, it was challenged. Uh, that was in the mid-60s, late 60s, and 70s, and it was uh, very much a challenged lake. I'll, I'll put it that way, and uh, anybody who grew up in Cleveland uh, knows that as, as well. That's where, uh, like I'll say, my relationship with water started as a professional. I worked for the Price Waterhouse and then later Price Waterhouse Coopers Strategic uh, uh, Utility Practice, and we uh, began looking at water in the late 90s 
as uh, we were advising on financial issues, uh, we started hearing about and received a couple uh, parts of our assignments were valuing water utilities. So that's where, as a professional, I started uh, paying attention and focusing on water issues. Well, also, well, you know, Jay, we've got a little bit of uh, common. I, I spent kind of my uh, adolescent years on the shores of Lake Erie as well. I was actually a lifeguard uh, in, on Kelly's Island uh, at the 4-H camp there. So I, I swam a bit in Lake Erie too. So it's, it's good, to, uh, good to know that. I, I didn't know that about you after all the, the years we've spent together on the uh, – for those of you who don't know, Jay and I have, have spent time on the American Water Works Association's Strategic Management Practices Committee, and that's kind of how we, we, we initially got to know each other a little bit. Um, in any event, uh, so, Jay, what are you doing now? What, what's taking up your time now? Okay, well, I have my own practice, J.J. Madigan LLC, and I advise uh, water utilities and corporations on water policy. That is uh, my uh, professional endeavor. And at the same time, I have a pro bono project, which has uh, really captured my imagination. It's the Lake Kane Restoration Society. It's a 501c3, and I serve uh, pro bono as the executive director. Well, that's, that's terrific. Now, can you tell us a little about where, where is Lake Kane? Uh, tell us a little of the history of Lake Kane and uh, why it needs or a, a restoration society to, uh, to help it out. Okay, great. Well, Lake Kane is an 80-acre lake, which is relatively small for this uh, part of Florida. It's uh, central Florida. Uh, lake Kane is located about a 15-minute walk from Universal Studios. Universal Studios and Orlando is, in that area, very developed. So all around Lake Kane, you'll find houses uh, and various kinds of roads and developments, uh, including not too far from it, a turnpike. So uh, at the same time, Lake Kane uh, is a swim hole. Now, it is uh, famous uh, for being an excellent place to swim. It is aquifer-fed. Uh, it is not a spring, but a spring feeds into it. Uh, much of the water is let's say, uh, uh, gained into the lake, drained into the lake from runoff uh, from the area. So uh, we uh, are endeavoring to take this lake, keep it clean. Uh, our mission, if you will, for the uh, Lake Kane Restoration Society is to keep it swimmable, fishable, and lovable. Uh, I want to quickly mention that Dr. Lucky Meisenheimer is the main uh, host of the lake uh, swim. We call it Lucky's Lake Swim. And six days a week, we invite, he invites uh, swimmers to his, uh, his property, and we swim six days a week in this very developed area lake. Okay, well, uh, that, that's a, that sounds fantastic. Now, uh, in terms of, of the lake needing a a restoration society. Can you talk a little about the water quality issues with the lake and things of that nature and, and, and how, per, let's say perhaps development contributed to that or, you know, what, can you, can you okay. dig a little deeper into that issue for us, please? Sure. Well, as anybody in the Florida area knows, we're facing nutrient overload in many of our waterways. Uh, recently there've been uh, along the coasts of Florida, so several algae blooms, as there are in 
our area occasionally. We do not want that to happen to our lake. So what we've uh, endeavored to start is a way to prevent uh, overflow from bringing uh, nutrients into the lake. We're doing that uh, without use of chemicals because that's a swimming lake and we want to keep it swimmable. So we have this uh, approach where we're introducing to our lake a parameter to measure swimmability and, and, and to get to that we are using rain gardens and bioswales all around the lake. Uh, each month we measure our phosphate levels, the nit nitrogen levels of the lake, and we report that out to the community uh, which surrounds the lake, roughly 540 households, uh, properties that have uh, drainage points into the lake. All right. So uh, uh, in terms of how, how do you coordinate all that? How do you, how do you coordinate the, the rain gardens, the bioswales? Uh, are, are all the property property owners around the lake, are they um, like part of the Lake Cane Restoration Society? How did, how did you get the buy-in? I'm, I'm, I'm just kind of curious how the how, – how, yeah, I'm just kind of curious about how you developed a, kind of a community approach to this. Well, the single most important point we have discovered is that people have relationships with the bodies of water that are in their neighborhood. Now, it may be purely commercial because we're finding property values are tied to the ability of the lake to be attractive. If you have a lake that is considered, well, inaccessible or in any way emits an odor or has some sort of unpleasantness about it, and there are those lakes in this area, we've been able to see and document that the property values are lower. Now, in our uh, appeal to people who live around the lake, part of what we're able to say is that better quality water means better property values. So that's one approach. It's not the only approach, and I don't think it's the most important. We have people who are attracted to the lake for visual reasons, for fishing, for paddle boarding, and most importantly, most energetically, swimming. Um, and Dave, in my uh, you know, adult life, I've uh, rediscovered swimming as a way to stay in shape, to have fun, and to, well, be a little competitive, too. So we have people who are swimming in this lake on a, on a regular basis. And this swimming, we've, uh, through Dr. Meisenheimer, uh, it's become a, let's say, an achievement to swim in the lake that's tracked. What he's done is devised a system of rewarding people for the numbers of crossings uh, they make across the lake. So when you come out here to visit me, Dave, we'll go swim in this lake. And your first swim, you sign the wall. You get uh, your picture with a, a stuffed alligator. You've survived a Florida lake swim, and uh, we want you to keep coming back. So at uh, Lake Crossing 25, you will get another, uh, like a swim cap. At Lake Crossing 100, you get a ball cap and so on. These small honors have built up a community of swimmers over the years 
to become a very dynamic and very well-known in the Orlando area place to swim. In fact, uh, it's been named the, uh, by the World Open Water Swim Swimming Association one of the top 100 swims in America. And in Orlando, we receive, let's say, about 60 million tourists a year into this area. Well, the lake swim has become uh, one of the top 25 non-theme park uh, adventures to have, and it's the only free one uh, according to that rating system. So we have a free swim, which we advertise and is getting to be very well known around the world. And this traffic of swimmers who are very much invested in water quality has resulted in, let's say, political attention uh, being paid to keeping our lake clean. I mean, the 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 achievement of, of being able to develop that kind of community and that kind of support for the, the restoration process, I think, is remarkable. Um, uh, in, in terms of... You know, I, I want to go back and focus a little bit on uh, what what was the water quality in the lake before all this started. I mean, how, I mean, we, we kind of talked about the nutrient runoff that was contributing a lot to uh, to the water quality issues. But I mean, can you can you describe the state of the lake before this effort started? Sure. So the the lake originated. Uh, uh, before any of the development happened as part of a, a system of lakes on an orchard. As development ensued, uh, the lake became uh, a place where some drainage would occur. In the uh, not-too-distant past, uh, let's say 29, the city of Orlando was considering running a large drainage pipe into the lake. And that's when the lake residents uh, formed uh, the original Lake Cane Restoration Society as a protest organization to keep the stormwater drain pipe from running directly into the lake. And this protest group uh, was able to get the attention of local media and the elected officials in the sense that they saw the value of the lake as a swimmable area. Because it was defined as swimmable, it became uh, a protected area, and they diverted the stormwater pipe away from the lake. That was uh, now uh, nine, eight, nine years ago. Uh, since then, our lake uh, quality has uh, received the attention uh, from planting and further uh, preventing of direct runoff from the lawns and the streets around the lake. So the, the, the beginning of our program started as a protest. Once we gained the attention and the support, actually, of elected officials in the city of Orlando, and for Orange County, we've been able to stem the tide of uh, this runoff from the lawns uh, all around the lake. All right, great. Now, uh, you, you said 29. Was that 29 years ago, or was that like 1929? Oh, <laughs> well, it's uh, 2009. 
20 Ona. Okay. Okay. Got it. Um, one of the, have you been able to, uh, you said you documented the property values. What about, have you been able to document the effectiveness of the rain gardens and bioswales that you identified in terms of, 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 um, intercepting the nutrients before they get into, uh, Lake Kane? Well, we're, we're able to see, we have, uh, several years of data collected on the lake that is thanks in part to the Florida Lake Watch program. It's uh, run by the state of Florida and the University of Florida helps us with uh, providing lab tests and tracking documentation. So over the course of the years that we've been paying attention to the nutrient levels of the lake, we've seen some years worse than others. One significant improvement came when a nearby nursery closed and we saw that our nutrient levels dropped after 2015. We were able to show residents that the the closing of the nutrient uh, heavy enriched uh, uh, nursery was a was a impact in the nutrient levels of the lake and that helps people understand where they're uh, where they're fertilizing uh, might impact the lake and and how if they could put uh, put the bioswale in and prevent the runoff from going into the lake that that would give us a better uh, and lower nutrient rating. Got it. Now, um, in terms of funding for those rain gardens bioswales, is this, I, I assume that's all or the, the bulk of it is private funding, or how, how do you get that? Yeah, so Dr. Meisenheimer has funded uh, the initial demonstration garden so people can see what the beginning would look like. Uh, the nonprofit ha- has the ability to buy plants at bulk rate and uh, provide um, cheaper plant uh, costs. And there are, but most people, there are some legacy bio uh, swales in place, particularly on the part of the lake where it is city of Orlando property. And they were also put in there by private uh, funding. So we, our, our goal is to, is to make it easy for people to put in a bio swale, not only with, uh, let's say, bulk buying, but with design help and volunteer help. We have uh, literally thousands of swimmers uh, uh, attend this lake swim, Lucky's Lake Swim, every year, and they're enthusiastically behind the idea of helping others put in rain gardens. We also have uh, been advocating the rain barrel, and anything that we can do to keep rain on the property where it falls. That's part of our uh, initial uh, work is to help people understand keeping rain on their property, that's the way to filter the water best, not letting it run off, not letting it get into the lake. Yeah, I, I, I let nature do its work. That's that's right. So uh, we've talked a lot about you, – you've mentioned, you know, Lucky's Lake Swim, and, and uh, before uh, – I'll, I'll, I'm going to bite on that. I, I'd like to hear a little more about that. But I, uh, I also want to just talk about 
uh, uh, general swimmability and what does what does the concept of swimmability mean uh, for a body of water? Can you kind of touch on on that? Sure. Okay. So swimmability is the driving force behind our clean water lake approach. Number one, hydrilla is an invasive species to Florida, and it can dominate any of the lakes in this area. It was our first enemy that we uh, approached and defeated. We did it with the uh, – we put carp in the lake in order to address the hydrilla problem. It was – uh, it worked very well. Again, we, we worked with the, the Florida Department of uh, um, Wildlife, and we worked together with them in order to put in the right amount of carp. We got the carp license, and we've been monitoring the carp ever since, and it's cleared the lake almost entirely of hydrilla and without uh, collateral damage to the other uh, plants that we've been able to see too much. We've seen some of uh, the, uh, the grass being eaten. And at the same time, it's been uh, a great swim effect. So what that does is clear the water. It's increased visibility uh, enormously. So we have regularly readings of uh, 10, 12, 14, 15 feet of visibility, and which is pretty good here in this area. Uh, so that's one one swimmability. Another is that people are able to feel safe. That's a swimmability issue, and uh, we do keep an eye out for another uh, Florida native, which is the alligator. So uh, we were uh, again we work with the Department of Fish and Wildlife very carefully. If there's any spottings of an alligator, we let them know, and uh, we're, we're keeping an eye out for that. A third issue of, of swimmability, another safety issue, is that we vet the swimmers who come out. So, Dave, before you swim with us, we're, we're going to make sure that you, you are able to swim 40 lengths in a, in a pool, and uh, uh, 40 laps in a pool before you swim in the, in the one-kilometer swim uh, in Lucky's Lake. And when you do swim with us, we, we insist that uh, newcomers wear, uh, for the first 25 crossings, an inflatable buoy. And uh, that uh, ha- helps our safety issue as well. So when you're in a swimmable uh, area in your lake, you want to look at not only environmental conditions, uh, you want to look first at visibility, uh, the quality of the water, and the safety of the swim. And we do all, all three. Well, I, I think that's fantastic. Now, what does swimmability mean also? Uh, and, and before I uh, – you're not going to make me wear water wings, right? Before I come – I mean uh, – No. Uh, there's something called – it's a new uh, device, but it's the Safer Swimmer buoy. So it's a strap that goes around your waist, and it does not interfere with any kind of stroke that you want to do. It, it uh, tails off, and uh, it's an inflatable buoy, small and manageable, uh, and absolutely uh, adds to your ability to, say, stop in the middle. There are 
no uh, lifeguards. There are, you know, there's nothing to hang on to once you start your way across the lake. It's a half a kilometer out, half a kilometer back. You are able to uh, rest or stand on the beach on the other side if you if you need a rest there. But otherwise, you're swimming for half a kilometer without interruption. Well, with the Safer Swimmer buoy, if you want to lay back, take a break. It's there. And if there are any problems, it also helps uh, people address them. Yeah. Well, I'll have to brush up on my strokes. Uh, It's been a while since, uh, since I was a lifeguard on Kelly's Island. So I'll have to, uh, to, uh, to brush up a little bit before I get head down there and swim with you. But, uh, uh, in terms of swimmability as, as kind of a, an ultimate goal, you know, what do you, what, what have you seen as, as the, the, the benefits of, being able to to claim to be a swimmable lake. Okay, so as you know, and anybody listening to this podcast knows, EPA was founded partly on the idea that America's natural waters are meant to be swimmable, fishable, and drinkable. That's their natural state. And that's where we want Lake Kane to be. Swimmable and fishable we see as achievable. Drinkable, well, let's say we're going to, we've changed it to lovable. So the (laughs) idea is... We can, we can do a lot to keep it swimmable and fishable. You see, not everybody wants to be a swimmer. We have plenty of fisher people all on this lake, and we, we are looking at the environment, at the biodiversity, clean water, in the interest of swimming as well. But there's people who don't swim and don't fish. They love that lake. They're, they're, it's a beauty to behold uh, when you are walking around Lake Kane or you're driving by and you can see it uh, from the roadside, or you live in it, or uh, you just know that it's something that you tr- it's a Florida treasure. In fact, I uh, want you to know that Lucky's Lake Swim has been designated as a historic event by the Florida Historic Society. Uh, at its 25-year mark, this uh, swim became a historic event. So there's an attachment to the lake. And, Dave, it's something that's, uh, I think, part of many people's lives, no matter where you are, whether you're in the Midwest or you're on the coast or in the West, there's some body of nature, some body of water where you have an attachment. And Lake Kane's the one where we're focused, but you can do the same to yours. The trick, the idea, the hook is to work with people in their relationship to the lake. If it's swimming, that's one thing. If it's fishing, it's another. Uh, if it's property value, that's a third. But you're, you've got to have this uh, personal attachment to your um, your body of water for this kind of approach, for people to do the extra work it takes to keep it clean. Terrific. Now, uh, tell us a little about Lucky's Lake Swim, this, his, this, this historically designated swim. Tell us a little about that. And, uh, and then, you know, I'd, I'd be a little interested in seeing how, how it sounds like Lucky is the kind of the driving force behind how Lake Kane has achieved this status. So maybe a little on, on uh, kind of Lucky, too, if, if, if we have time here. Sure. Lucky is the driving force. He's a remarkable person, a dermatologist. He and his wife, Jackie, have raised three uh, children on this lake. And the entire time of their living here, he's welcomed people from all over the world to his backyard to swim to be his friend 
and to help keep this lake uh, clean. Uh, so it started in 1989. Uh, when we reached uh, the 25-year mark, Lucky took, took a look at what had happened. Uh, 25 years of having people from all over the world come swim in his backyard. Uh, it was literally thousands of people had done this swim. And he said, how do we keep it going? So uh, when he started this uh, Lake Kane project, it was with the idea of let's make the 50-year swim. This is uh, the goal, and that's part of why Lucky is now being nominated uh, as the man of the year for the World Open Water Swimming Association. Wowza uh, is has a field of candidates, and he's our candidate. He's the one we'd like to see win as uh, the man of the year for uh, the World Open Water Swim, Swimming Association. All right. Well, so uh, uh, is is that a big deal that he's being nominated? I mean, what tell us a little about the World Open Water Swimming Association. I mean, is that – Okay. I, I'm so, just not very familiar with it. Sure, and most people aren't. When you think of swimming events, you think of the pool, as well you should. That's where the swimming world has really thrived. Yet, lately, over the last 10 years and more, people are paying more attention to open water swimming events. The most famous one, of course, is the Channel Swim, uh, when people swim the English Channel. But all over the world, people are now recognizing, and it is now an Olympic sport, to have an open water swim event. Uh, triathletes are very attracted to this kind of event, as every triathlon includes some sort of swim, and it's usually open water. So it's a sport that's really coming into its stride here. And uh, at Lucky's Lake, it's become a training ground sought world, worldwide as a way to hone your skills as an open water swimmer. So in Lucky's case, what he's done is provide a venue for a burgeoning sport to thrive. All right. Well, how do people support Lucky in his uh, quest? Can, or, or can they support Lucky in his quest to become the uh, man of the year? I'm sure they can. So thanks for asking. So if you go to the uh, webpage for the World Open Water Swim Association, wowza.com, uh, you can vote there. It takes a just a registration, there's no charge, there's no reason. You don't have to join Wowza, but with a little registration, you can vote for Lucky Meisenheimer as the man of the year for the World Open Water Swim Association. Well, he sounds like a worthy candidate with all he's done for uh, water quality at Lake Kane. Um, uh, you know, for, Jay, for those folks who want to find out kind of more about uh, Lake, the Lake Kane Restoration Society, the work you've done, you know, and and I don't know if the web if you're if you have a website and and if if you do, I would love to bring attention to the lake swimming. So it's like if you just go to it's it's a web page called luckyslakeswim.com. That's really our home base where we where we have uh, all the information about the swim, and you'll find a, a link as well to uh, lakecane.com. Okay, and that's uh, that's our nonprofits page. Really, uh, it's uh, linked to the swim. Right, and I, you know, I th I think that groups around the country can learn so much uh, 
using kind of the, the grassroots approach to, to making Lake Kane swimmable, uh, they can use that same approach in their own backyards. It just takes a lot of, you know, a lot of grit and gumption to, to get that done. It sounds like, and, and, uh, it sounds like Lucky's done a tremendous job, uh, getting Lake Kane to this point. He, he has, David, and, and, and the main thing I would say is that if you're living near or around a body of water, you have some relationship to it, whether it's, you know, your commercial value or it's somehow your recreational or even, I would say, your spiritual value. That body of water has some important part in your life, and when people are given an option of getting involved in protecting that body of water as as Lucky's done with Lucky's Lake Swim, then you've got the ability to protect it for the long term. That's, that's what's happening with Lake Kane. Uh, it is grassroots. We receive no government funding. And, uh, but we do try to partner with our local and state governments in doing so. And it's, uh, it, it's so so far, we're seeing some some really good effects from it. Well, terrific. Well, Jay, you've been absolutely fantastic sharing with us the story of the Lake Kane Restoration Society and uh, uh, Lucky's Lake Swim. Uh, really appreciate you coming on and uh, uh, wish you all the best in the future. Thanks so much. Dave, thank you so much for taking time. You bet. We'll talk soon, See Jay. You. See you swimming. <laughs> you bet. Bye, Jay. Well, I hope you liked that interview with Jay Madigan of the Lake Kane Restoration Society. I think he he really uh, obviously cares passionately about Lake Kane down in Florida, um, and he I, I think he did a great job uh, explaining how exactly they went about uh, creating this grassroots organization that is the Lake Kane Restoration Society. How they had a local champion in Lucky Meisenheimer. Uh, and I, and, and kind of the projects that they've undertaken, how they've worked with the government, you know, that he said they started as a protest organization, but they, 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 they weren't just saying no, right. They, they came up with a solution. They came up, you know, they worked with the government, they worked with the agencies uh, to introduce uh, the right number of carp uh, to take care of the invasive species in the lake. You know, they monitor for alligators, they do all this stuff. They weren't just an organization that said no. They were proposing a solution, and I think that's what's missing in a lot of the dialogue out there is people just say no. They don't propose a solution, and I, I, I think if you're going to uh, you know, intervene in any type of proceeding or oppose something, you need to offer a solution because just saying no isn't, uh, isn't advancing the ball. It's not uh, – creating dialogue and, and looking for solutions. So uh, my hat's off to Jay Madigan. Uh, I think, uh, you know, at this time of year, I always do, uh, I, at least I try to do uh, kind of a podcast that that either has kind of an NGO feel or a charitable feel to it. We've done the wa- we've done wash topics uh, with John Oldham. Uh, we did uh, an episode with uh, Eleanor Allen of Water for People. We did the Blue Mind last year. So around this time of year, I always try to kind of get a not-for-profit on or, or an organization uh, that has a purpose uh, that's somewhat charitable. And I think the Lake Kane Restoration Society, uh, you know, while while it's kind of localized in where its impact is, I think 
when you can when you look at what they've accomplished, I think that's a model that can be uh, pursued elsewhere. And so, my again, my hats off to Jay Madigan, Lucky Meisenheimer, and all those folks who have done just a wonderful job down at the Lake Kane Restoration Society. And if you want to uh, support Lucky uh, in his uh, Man of the Year uh, quest for the uh, World Open Water Swim Association, uh, you know, just just rewind the tape until you get to uh, uh, the part where where uh, Jay says how you can uh, how you can help support Lucky in in that endeavor. So now would really like to hear your thoughts on this podcast. And you can do that by going to the show notes, which are at thewatervalues.com forward slash pod one one five. That's water thewatervalues.com forward slash pod one fifteen. Uh you know, leave those show notes. Leave leave a comment on those show notes. You can email me at David at the dot com. Uh, you can contact me through the website, through the contact button. Uh, you can tweet at me. My handle is at DTM1993. You can tweet about the podcast using the hashtag water values. Uh, so I would really appreciate you uh, uh, getting in the holiday spirit and give me a little gift by a tweet or a, a LinkedIn post or something like that. That would be appreciated. Uh, you can also sign up for the uh, Water Values newsletter. It only comes out twice a month. Uh, you can do that, on again, at thewatervalues.com. And uh, finally, if you are in the charitable spirit, why not uh, make a small donation to uh, the Water Values podcast? Any denomination helps. Uh, you know, there's a little PayPal button on the website. You go to thewatervalues.com, scroll down a little bit on the right-hand side. There's a little yellow donate button. Uh, you do that through PayPal, and it helps defray the cost of producing this podcast, whether it's hosting fees or uh, you know other types of fees that that are incurred, uh, Skype fees, all kinds of stuff. So. Um, Thank you very much. I hope you all, again, have a great holiday. And uh, in closing, please remember to keep the core message of the Water Values podcast in mind as you go about your daily business. Water is our most valuable resource. So please join me by going out into the world and acting like it. listening to the Water Values Podcast. Thank you for spending some of your day with my dad and me. Thank you for tuning in to the Disclaimer. I'm a lawyer licensed in Indiana and Colorado, and this podcast does not establish an attorney-client relationship with you or anyone else. Information in this podcast should not be considered legal advice. Further, this podcast is not a solicitation for professional employment. I'm just a lawyer who finds water issues interesting and who believes greater public education about water issues is necessary. And that includes enhancing my own education about water issues because no one knows everything about water. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you next time.